The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome okay. you to Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan. Great episode lined up for you today. I met him at the Sunstroke House. Uh, shout out to Jamie and Tommy Nettles. Uh, great house show if you've never been in Columbus, Mississippi. He just put out this latest record of his. It's called Nooski, Friend Rock. Uh, cool project. Did a whole bunch of songs with friends from uh, a lot of bands you may be familiar with if you're into indie rock. He also just put out a book, It's Hard to Be a Person, and he is the podcast host of Dirt from the Road. Brett Newski, man, how you doing? Hey, Alan, good to see you, man. Um, Mississippi, what a what a, what a a fun state. We've never played there ever in our life uh, until uh, a couple weeks ago when I saw you there, so it's a good, good, good to play the Deep South. We like it. Yeah, man. So, uh, man, tell me a little bit about, give me a little bit of Dirt from the Road from uh, the tour so far, man. You just you're getting back from the West Coast, right? Yeah, I just got back from Seattle, uh, Pacific Northwest, a couple nights ago. Um, you know, it was great. It was just a fast sprint. We uh, we flew into Seattle. We had like two hours to land, get a rental car, and get to soundcheck and go to Guitar Center uh, and, and get some gear. You know about the GC two step? It's where you uh, it's where you buy gear from Guitar Center at the top of a tour and then you return it after the tour. So that actually worked <laughs> out really great. Uh, Otherwise, we would have been in deep, deep doo doo because, uh, yeah, some of those rental companies they just they'll charge you like almost the cost of a full amp, you know, just to rent gear for yeah. a week. So you got yeah, it's just better to just buy it or buy it and return it. So it was great, man. I mean, the Pacific Northwest, it's got to be the most beautiful, the most beautiful spot in the country for nature. It's it's hard to beat, you know. It's just like scenic mountains, lakes, rivers, creeks, hills. Uh, mountains that go into the sky into the clouds um it's unbelievable and um there's like the strange undercurrents too because it's such like it's kind of like the meth mecca of america so you see like <laughs> i saw two ladies smoking crack on the last morning just nice looking old ladies probably 70 years old having a nice coffee and a crack pipe uh right on the sidewalk in port angeles washington so it's uh it's all going on there um it, it it feels a little bit like a different country than the Midwest, but uh, it's yes. something. Oh man, I think you unlocked something for me with the GC two step, man. That's uh mm -hmm. that's good cheat codes people to have. So I'm guessing you didn't have the box fixed yet. The uh, no, I mean I couldn't uh, ship out an amp. It's too expensive. Uh, we did ship our gear out there, or sorry, our merch, and all our merch got lost. So I had like, man, had, like, you've been on a roll with this tour. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I had like 12 books in my suitcase, so we had a few books to sell. But yeah, that was brutal. 
Um, but what can you do, man? I mean, this stuff, whatever. It's not not the end of the world. These types of things would have affected me a lot more five or six years ago when I was more of a four-year-old. But uh, I try to just leave the past in the past at this point. I hear you, man. So tell me a little bit about growing up in uh, Milwaukee, man. Um, so, yeah, I was born in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, home of Bon Iver, um, which is just a little town in the middle of the state. Beautiful, beautiful little kind of cute blue collar city. My dad was a radio sales guy. So he was always, you know, hustling radio commercials, selling radio to uh, clients at like little dry cleaners and, um, you know, restaurants, cafes, janitorial outlets. Um, and then we moved to the Milwaukee area when I was a little man, maybe like seven, eight. And so I grew up on the outskirts of Milwaukee in a suburb called New Berlin, which is kind of a, a low culture mecca of uh just it's mall, basically mall fucked by you know it's strip malls and strip malls and strip malls and uh it's fine it was a safe place to grow up but not like not an encouraging place creatively very conservative um just very uh but you know can't complain too much about it i, I didn't get mugged or anything i got the living crap beat out of me at school so i guess i did kind of get mugged uh but uh, the neighborhood itself was safe. The school was not safe uh, emotionally or physically. But I've I've talked about that enough in the world. So, um, yeah. yeah. And now I live right downtown Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, just as far as you know, I've heard you talk a little bit about it, but uh, I wanted to get it here. Uh, how long would it be until you felt comfortable enough to uh, come out as a creative? Was it after high school to when you kind of felt like it was kind of a walk in your own skin? That's a great question. Um, yeah, I mean, in high school, I was terrified to tell people I was in a band because they would make fun of me or call me a pussy or something. But uh, yeah, in college, I started a band. You know, college is a great new start for everyone usually because you get away from you get away from all the people you grew up with, and uh, you get to start over. You get to kind of be be a new person um, and have a clean slate, and that was huge. I mean, I was still a complete. Uh, you know, four-year-old when I got to college, like I'd never drank booze uh, in high school. So I got to college and I would just like wake up in the bushes. I didn't know how to drink. <laughs> you know, I was just a, a complete failure. You know, I got through school. I got through all my classes and stuff was was nice to people, but I'm sure I was annoying as hell. Um, but yeah, creative stuff really kind of, I've always just been a little nerd in my parents' basement writing songs since I was 13, 14 years old when I discovered... um the guitar that was huge because i could i could kind of hole up you know the song in the garage by weezer like that that was like my whole childhood i would like really relate to that um and so that that created like a safe little oasis for creation and i kind of never really stopped making songs or like little art stuff since i was 13 or 14 or even even earlier um when i was a little kid i would sit and draw for like eight or nine hours at a time and uh, I didn't realize you could make money off creative pursuits until maybe college. I had a couple like college party bands and, um, you know, we played the bar circuit and got paid a bit. And that was that was like kind of a holy shit moment because they were giving us free beer and paying us pretty well for being like 20 years old. Um, even though the gigs weren't always the most glorious, you know, we played some rat, mostly played rat holes and, uh, you know, and shitty bars. But it was amazing. We We loved it. It was it was a magic time and um and that kind of blew the doors open as far as like okay 
maybe I can take a crack at this if I just really just go for it. And I've just honestly, I've had a lot of blind ambition the whole time. I'm like, you know, sort of a believer in the uh, the old school American dream in some sense of like, if yeah. you work your dick off, like things will eventually pop for you. So, I mean, I do believe that in in, in a in a lot of senses. Um, and I was I was born lucky. Like my parents are pretty mentally stable and like supportive and like i got a lot of hugs as a kid um so outside of like taking beatings in high school and like people fucking with me emotionally and uh getting punched in the kidneys a bunch like i had a pretty good childhood which uh kind of enabled me to just have a chance you know just have like a flying chance to kind of take a crack at uh doing your own pursuit and get encouragement from you know the people around you so that was big um but honestly man i just put my head down i took every shitty tour i could making 60 dollars a show in ohio and michigan and illinois and uh uh minnesota and just like kept going and kind of just didn't didn't pick my head up and you know 11 years later things are i guess looking as good as they can for a independent musician you know we're not like we're not making any holy shit life-changing money, but I make like a decent living uh, releasing records, selling paintings, selling the books I make. Um, so yeah, I'm, kinda, I'm pretty lucky. Earlier, yeah. I mean, you were talking about, you know, just just a little bit of the trauma. Uh, and now you have a book, It's Hard to Be a Person, man. And just, it's a quick read for uh, anyone listening. You might be interested. Uh, you can sit down with it cover to cover about 30 minutes. And it's a, it's a fun little read about what might get you through a pretty hard time. Uh, and you did all the artwork yourself for it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Alan. Um, yeah, I did all the drawings. It took about kind of three years to finish, but yeah, it's, it's just like over the years, I would just write down little stuff I thought was funny or I would kind of journal to my anxiety and paranoia of like what triggered me while while when i why am i feeling so depressed what happened around these days that maybe made me feel so depressed what's uh the worst thing about it what's maybe a a funny comedic relief angle i can take on it to kind of get my brain out of this trough so i wrote a bunch of jokes and comics and kind of like mini skits and i put them all in this book of just tactical things i found useful to feel better in my head because you know as long as i can remember i've been a super super anxious person um and you know struggled with some bouts of depression too which you know you don't even realize what they are growing up until at least for me into my late 20s you know when this starts to be a uh, in the public discourse a little bit and you get diagnosed by a doc or whatever and then you can start to attack it more efficiently but um yeah so i wanted to make the book for you know a is just a creative project to keep myself sane but i just thought it would be uh, i thought it'd be useful to people and it's definitely out of all the things i've made it's the it's the thing that's got the most like response and i get i get messages about it all the time so because right which feels good and it's nice it reaches um beyond just music too so it's nice to you know our music could be considered a bit niche you know we're kind of in this indie 90s alternative kind of geek rock world so the the book kind of reaches beyond that tell me a little bit about like uh the friend rock record and i mean was this a COVID idea come true where a lot i mean i see some of the guys that you work with i mean typically i'm sure they would be on the road and busy was it just like a good time for y'all to be, be able to work together yeah yeah totally i mean i really wanted to 
make use of my time during the pandemic, during the pando. So I basically just, I had tons of songs done, like studio recordings. My producer Spatola and I had been working on the whole panda. We'd do like a song a week. And then I started thinking like, well, I'm getting some cool guests on the podcast. What if I started reaching out to some of my musical heroes who are like, you know, mid-level indie celebrities or or just, you know, people on on my smaller medium indie level um, to see if they want to guest on some songs. And I just kind of made a big, big ass list and started going through it. I knew a lot of these cats were at home and had home studios or mic setups. And um, yeah, so I got a lot of my musical heroes to sit in on it. Uh, Matthew Cause from Not A Surf was a big one for me. I really like that band. Yeah. And uh, Brian from The Verve Pipe. And then uh, this French artist I discovered in the last couple of years, H. Burns, who I'm just like obsessed with. He's incredible. Every record he puts out is perfect almost. Too much reality. That was a good track, dude. Oh, I mean, thanks, man. The whole thing is great. Uh, it's been it's been a banger 2023. I'm, I'm, it was great work. I'm glad, uh, glad y'all did it, man. It was, I certainly have been listening to it every day, man. Uh, thanks so well, i spun your record just a couple days ago it's awesome like and that's it's kind of the same thing it, it's a yeah it, that was a covid project man and so you went uh, around to different places around mississippi and with a field recorder and just recorded acoustic recordings alabama mississippi and tennessee dude and, it's uh, really good like it it uh i don't know how much love or press it's got but it's a really interesting project and it sounds awesome i love how real and you know, it has it has that kind of it channels the, the the old world, which is so cool, and that's that's how like a lot of these famous blues recordings came to be. I mean, I don't have to tell you this, but like people just going around the south with a field recorder and capturing like good musicians literally on their porch, yeah. And it's it's like how we have this like old Mississippi blues. So yeah, I think, dude, keep doing that. That's uh that's a great way to make records and like bring the community together and they sound cool it makes me want to make a, a lo-fi record yeah man it's uh i mean i've already got the second one ready it's in the can it's just a matter of financing and who knows maybe by the time i get it ready to be financed we might have to sit back down with these artists because it, the work won't be so new anymore but it <laughs> fun you know fun lo-fi project like you said it brought the community together and through that We've been throwing music festivals and just trying to get uh, the crowd around here energized around not only the talent that we have in this town or area, but also bringing Midwest or Pacific Northwest or even the East Coast in. Like, yeah. hey, uh, we, we want to help each other. Let's We're indie. We're DIY. Let's make it work. Yeah, dude. Well... Big ups, man. You you've got you're a special person. You've got a really uh, your enthusiasm is is really unmatched to most people I meet on the road. So it's exciting to know dudes like you are out there, you know, trying to make stuff happen and and make stuff happen on your own steam and outside of the box. It's like you know you got you got Live Nation buying up the world and all the venues, and then you got guys like Alan. Uh, and without you. You know, ninety nine point nine percent of touring artists don't have a chance without you and 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 you know types like you. So much respect. Yeah, man, it's, and that's something that I, I really want to capitalize on. I'm, I'm working on it now, just for like people like Midwest. You want to play the South? I'm trying to build that circuit. You know, get you down here, then loop you back up. Well, and, that's amazing. We're, you know, we're big it, fans, man. Yeah, and hopefully it would be something doable and you could do it in two three weeks and you could call it you know then maybe take a break or whatever it is you need to do and uh and have people like jamie who have these awesome homes maybe 
uh, open them up and let's do house shows along the way, you know? Sure. Those are my favorite shows now. I mean, it's, it's the best way to connect to the artists. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure like playing a house show, I mean, it just seems you get a better feel of the room. Like you're, you're with, you're right there with everybody, you know, instead of being up on a stage and kind of getting lost with the crowd, you know? Yeah. And especially like when it's outside, because uh, we've been touring like with the band, like the, the stuff indoors when you're solo works better. But when you got the full band, it's like playing these shows on these old Victorian wraparound porches to like 60 people on the lawn is pretty cool. Like it's a pretty good format. So that, that show yeah. was awesome. The thing that blew my mind about that show is there's like all these 21 year old, just super drunk uh, Air Force <laughs> kids. That were like, we're like, wow, this is like a demographic we don't normally see at our shows. And they were awesome. And they were like pumped and getting into the words. And I was heckling them and they were heckling me. And it was a, it was a good, uh, it was a good, good moments. And then like we're driving home and we see like fighter planes just flying over our heads. We're like, those were probably the drunk kids from last night. Like they're flying Air Force jets. You know, that's why they're in town. And, uh, it, people are, People are smarter than they seem on the surface. It's unbelievable. It truly is, man. And like that was a special show because, like, typically, I know most of the people who's going to be at the Sunstroke House. There were a lot of cats that I didn't know that that night. So good job on you for drawing them out, man. I wonder how they heard about it then. Well, I know Jamie will put uh, different ads out, and maybe that's the way that she. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. She marketed it, but I'm going to guess it was probably more on your end. Maybe they were a fan and saw that you just so happen to become the fan. I don't know. That's amazing. I mean, we we have gotten like, again, the, the radio guy down there. We've gotten radio play in some of these kind of random Alabama cities we've never been to. Maybe that helps. But uh, so, some of these things you would kill to know exactly how people find out about the show because, you know, selling tickets in the modern era is like it's one of the hardest things to do when you're up against every event and every piece of media ever so yeah what what's working and then let us double down on that you know yeah shout out to monk yeah indies only uh yeah he's the man that show is going to be translated over to podcast format so all the good work that he was doing i mean it'll be you know you'll have a catalog of it and you can go back and catch everything so he's working on figuring out how to get that marketed and create the pod for it brilliant brilliant i love it man i'm excited about the south we've, we've barely been there and it, it fascinates me so it's uh it's cool to uh to, to know you and like some of these like smaller towns that are art centric and arts friendly you would just never know about them like us being in wisconsin we didn't even know about uh columbia missouri or sorry uh columbus, columbus. mississippi yeah columbus yeah. mississippi <laughs> And then we stop and we're like, this city fucking rules. There's like an art center, a couple venues, people painting on the sidewalk, some hip coffee places. Uh, it's got kind of a rustic New Orleans feel in the architecture. So, yeah, it, it fascinates me as to what else is out there down there. It's great, dude. And it's, it's revitalizing, too. Like the the feeling the community has for the arts in the area, it, it 
kind of ebbs and flows. And right now we're at a, we've got a, it's flowing right now. It's, uh, there's never been a better time to be in Columbus. We've got so mm-hmm. many good people passing through. We've got a lot of great opportunities for people and, uh, the crowds are really coming out and supporting. So, uh, a lot of great, a lot of great opportunities down here. Uh, have you, and we're just, have, we're trying to migrate that over to other communities. Uh, we're working with Tupelo and other big towns, our bigger towns in Mississippi to kind of, you know, create a loop of some kind, you know. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, let's keep in touch about it. It sounds great. Yeah, dude. I wanted to, uh, talk a little bit more about the tour. Have you got more dates lined up? Yeah, we're back home and we're back all over the Midwest this summer. So we're uh, we're playing a f- few smaller cities this weekend, and yeah, we're I think every weekend we're active. So I'm kind of like biking around the city, swimming in the lake during the week, and then we're gigging on the weekends. Yeah, I was going to ask you a little bit about downtown. Is it just kind of like ooh, no music at all and biking and swimming? You say no. Well, I work. I basically work. Uh, you know, eight to four, eight to five every day. Just uh. But, you know, I'm self-employed, so I can go work from the beach or uh, uh, I'll be painting during the morning or working on a podcast in the afternoon. So I, I you know, I keep my hours pretty, pretty consistent uh, to try to keep a routine. And I just have so much freaking stuff to do. Like, I got a lot of shows to promote. And, you know, every gig that you see on our calendar, there's probably like at least four hours of promotion work that goes into making it work and making sure it doesn't bomb you know so uh um yeah behind the scenes you know i don't think anyone realizes like what a heavy lift it is but i'm stoked to be doing it i you know i'm 36 years old and i don't know a ton of people still doing music full-time so i'm just uh i'm just grateful that that i'm still kind of functioning in the arts because it i mean the usa is not you're not meant to make a living in the arts it's just not set up that way the more i go and like you know, you see kind of how Europe operates and um, Australia and mm-hmm. uh, Ireland and the UK. Like there are some more arts funding mechanisms in place. And I know some states in the US have some. Wisconsin doesn't have a lot that I know about. Um, I've never I've never received any arts funding outside of maybe a few a few bucks during the pando from like a local a local thing. So. I mean, yeah, I, I, but I guess that's the American way, right? It's like nothing is nothing is free. You got to bust your fucking ass if you want to make it work. And uh, that is one thing crazy I'll say about Alabama. I don't know about Mississippi, but like when I was a resident in Alabama, there were so many grants and just art uh, grants that you could get, like for whatever project that you were pursuing. There was a lot of money there. And what's crazy wow. is I don't know who's getting it or what happens to it because it was a pretty nice little pot of money. And far as I know, I didn't know anybody who was applying, you know. And so, like, shout out to Alabama. They got they got good opportunities. Yeah, big ups, dude. I mean, and hey, like, these are things artists and musicians often don't think of is there's grants out there. Like, they take some work to apply for, but you yeah. can do it. You know, I think, you know, it's a, it's a stereotype, you know, artists, musicians are lazy. I don't know how true that is, um, but there's some truth to it if it's such a mainstream stereotype. So I think um, artists and musicians are getting a lot better, especially the younger ones about being business savvy. They're like, Hey, for decades and decades, artists have been taking it in the ass and not sticking up for themselves and getting Mm -hmm. ripped off. So let's, let's change that. Like let's get savvy at the music business side of things 
And I think that is getting better. I mean, I got made fun of early on in my career for being so into the business side of music. Like the hipsters in Madison, Wisconsin fucking hated me, dude. Like I was out there hustling, applying for grants. They, they're like, this guy is a loser. Like, look at how hard he's trying. Um, so now that that game has changed where, um, you know, I, I just, and like Spotify, that's a whole nother conversation, but it's like, unfortunately musicians we're just used to like mm, i should i should only i should only have to work on arts because that's my job i shouldn't have to worry about the business side and then like these overlords at streaming they're like okay cool we'll take all the money and you know someone like me who's like i mean i feel like i should be getting paid something from spotify rather than like all the bucks, of dollars you make 40 bucks a month or i mean it's pathetic and it's like I mean, how what like some of these songs have uh, over a hundred thousand streams? Like, how how are the checks like forty two dollars a month? Like, this is, I mean, something's not right. Like, so we clearly need to organize. I don't know how that's done. We need like um like a bony bear and like a bunch of bony bear type figureheads, and then a bunch of uh maybe little guys like me to to unite so we could actually put a dent in Spotify and and you know, have them change things a little bit. But yeah, at the moment, uh, I am not proud of musicians as a whole because we just kind of, uh, we're just used to taking it in the ass and uh, mm-hmm. um, it, it's more of the same. So again, shout out to the younger kids really learning about the business side and sticking up for yourselves in the in the industry. Well, just with like being business savvy and some of the artists who were on the porch top record, like A. Partridge or Taylor Hollinsworth and others, uh, not only are they creating music, they're also an author or an artist. And so they have a lot of different medias in the arts. And so they're marketing themselves in more than one way, you know? Yeah. Uh, and you're doing the same. It's like to be known in different fields and then to host a podcast is like, uh, I'm kind of cataloging a little dirt from the road in your case. And it's like, how relatable for people who are trying to get into the industry and want to know just how hard it is. And then what about the people who can kind of just laugh who had been there and be like, yeah, he's spot on, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm stoked to meet some of your musician friends in the South because I don't know a lot of people down there. Uh, I've heard Taylor's really good and making stuff happen. So, yeah, it's uh, we'll, we'll connect soon. Yeah, man. So uh, let's do three more questions and we'll walk out of the door. Uh, I wanted you to plug your socials for all those listening and the best way just to uh, stay involved with you, whether that's through the email list or whatever the best avenue is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we're on all the demon social medias that are slowly ruining your life. We're there. We're participating. <laughs> we're part of the poison. Yeah. That Yes, sir. Um, I don't know. Newski Music on Instagram is a good one. That's that's good. I mean, the best thing to do is like if you, if you like the band or you want to support indie art in general, um, yeah, hop on the newsletter. It's newskimusic.com. There's like a tour newsletter that'll pop up. You can sign up. I put out tour journals every Friday um, and, um, you know, podcasts. There, we have a Patreon page and that that's kind of been the thing that's kind of kept a lot of indie bands afloat where you can chip in five bucks a month um, and you get like all the demos and the, and the early podcasts and a bunch of like behind the curtains content, uh, maybe journals that are too personal to post uh, publicly, stuff like that. So um, yeah, that's that's a good way to do it. But uh, in general, I mean, we all kind of live or die by word of mouth. So 
if uh, if you're an indie rock listener or just a music listener in general and like sms a link to your buddies like if you uh there, surely there's people who uh who respect your opinion and your artistic taste palette so word of mouth is uh is just huge for everybody yeah definitely dude and i i'm thankful that i get to take the time to do that because i love getting those uh those emails or text messages or you get a link to a new album that's about to come out and it's from another indie rocker be like dude i'd really appreciate it if you'd sit down and write a review and so, like, how that works is, I, like, I write, if I'm really into it, a short one paragraph, then I send it around to all my buddies that I know like music. And I was mm, like, nice. this is what it's like. And, you know, I'll, I'll go into, like, it reminds me of, man, I was driving down to Panama City on spring break back in 2008, and I would have been bumping this. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Really putting you in the in the pocket. That's um, awesome. Yeah. That's a good yeah, way to describe music because you for for our whole lives we've just heard like this is indie rock with gritty guitars where it's like yeah no how about like this is like uh grungy night driving music when you've drank caffeine yeah. too late I don't know those those are like fun explanations yeah. of songs this would have been in the the Rocky montage <laughs> yeah exactly dude. exactly oh uh, so uh question two and it may be a two-parter uh what was the biggest lesson that you learned over the pandemic? Uh, the Pando. Yeah. Take the foot off the gas. Just, I guess, cliche Pando wisdom, you know, um, it's, that's probably the best community I've ever had during the pandemic was just my three or four buddies I would get together with routinely. And that was amazing. I think my mental health has actually never been better. Yeah. Even for being a hypochondriac, like we'd make bonfires every Tuesday and get a fish fry and eat it outside every Friday. Um, so that was big. Um, but then, you know, I don't know, man. I got FOMO just like the rest of the world. So when tour opportunities come about, I can't say no to them. Like, I'm I'm going to go back out and grind and hope my brain holds up. But, yeah. yeah man. So, uh, and then part two to that is, like, uh, if, if you could say something to yourself five years ago about where you are now, what do you think the person five years from right now is going to say? Um. Wow, that's a good, you're good. Good question. I think like, yeah, I think just like, you know, you've got time. I think uh, in your younger days, you're always like, oh shit, I got to make something happen by this age. Or if I don't make something happen by this age, I'm not holding up to my peers. Um, So just knowing you've got time, um, but also not wasting time, you know? So just kind of moving the needle a little bit every day. It's like, what, what can you do to kind of keep yourself sane and try to create a little bit, maybe make a, a new connection with, with someone you find interesting um, and not, not burn yourself out, you know, cause it's a long road in life and in, in music and in work. So not burning out very, very important. Cause I've, I've definitely walked the line of burnout uh, more times than I can count. And I've had plenty of mental health meltdowns that uh, fortunately haven't sidelined me for more than a few days or a week at a time, but I've, I've been in some, some dark, some dark places. So I think burnout, um, avoiding burnout keeps you out of those big troughs mentally. Right on. And, uh, Brett, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me uh, today. Uh, last thing to walk it out of the door is, uh, what was your favorite part of this conversation? Well, dude, I just love how you, you've asked me a bunch of questions I've never been asked before. And I've done a, shitload of podcasts and music bloggy things during the years so that you're you're great i i'm a huge fan of yours man i uh um 
You're just a very easy, easy hang and a disarming dude, and you got a cool accent. So I'm pumped <laughs> to uh, pumped to meet again in real life, and I, I appreciate your work. Yeah, man. Uh, cannot wait for uh, the next thing. Uh, get on back down here, dude. <laughs> dude, I'll, let's back. get on the horn next week. We'll make a plan. Yeah, dude. Sounds good. Well, Brett, <laughs> you take care of yourself, man. All right. Love you, dude. Thanks, Alan. Yeah, dude. Take care. I flinch every time You bat your eyes at me My only self-defense It's a little rabbit hole under that white picket fence of yours Concrete around my feet I'm a poster child for every mafia story and scene One every red light, rolling stop signs You and I could never crash Never mind, oh never mind, oh never mind Here's famous last words, it's not you, it's me I love you, we will be fine Never mind, oh never mind, oh never mind Never mind, oh never mind, oh never mind Under a sky that's burning me up You gave me ozone Hear our friends say we're invincible but they don't know the air to us feels so marvelous. I thought I could keep you around. Oh God, I'm so clever. Never mind, never mind, never mind. Never mind, never mind, never mind. Never mind, never mind, never mind Never mind, never mind, never mind